Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm joined in studio by The Motley Fool's very own Taylor Muckerman, who I am extremely anxious to talk about yesterday's big news. Uh, Stop the presses, OPEC agreed to, on a preliminary basis, cut production. What? Yeah. That's what they said. There's no details. Just that they're there were they a agree. few. To well, there's there, estimates. Yeah, didn't they say that? Okay, so let's take a step back. OPEC surprised everybody yesterday. Yeah, sent oil up five six percent. Yes. Um, they had been talking down these discussions in Algiers. Yeah. For I don't know one two weeks. Yeah. I mean, you tell me. Um. Our we want a cup, but this is just preliminary thing. We don't expect to decide anything. Russia talked it down. Then Iran talked it down. And Saudi talked it up. I mean, it was just this little verbal chess game. Sure. Then uh, yesterday hits the wires that they agreed to a preliminary cut. Details are going to be announced in a month. Uh, November thirtieth. November thirtieth. Yeah, the the symmetry there is. Pretty funny though. What's that? Th- that date because two years ago, what well, happened? Well, that's their that's their uh, biannual meeting, so it happens in November. But last uh, that year, it was like November twenty fourth. So right before Thanksgiving, they're yes. like, "Yeah, we're not going to do anything. Oil plummets." Yeah. And here we sit, two years later. People were cooking their turkeys by the oil drum fires. <laughs> two thousand fourteen. Because it was so cheap now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They're talking about in a month agreeing to. Actually, setting firmly a, a, about a seven hundred fifty thousand per day barrel decrease in supply. Well, that's what an Iranian representative suggested. But if you if you look across the board, there's a lot of people that aren't quite sure it'll even reach a half a million uh, mm-hmm. barrels per day. Um, but even if it was seven hundred thousand barrels per day, uh, or five. I mean, yeah, or f- either way, like that's only seven seven tenths of a percent of global oil production. So right. it's not a huge like earth shattering thing. What it is what is kind of the big deal is that OPEC countries have returned to the table and, and right. reached a conclusion together Saudi, rather than just like walking away with their hands up in the right. air. Saudi Arabia and Iran are actually talking because what when did they one of them closed the other's embassy in their country a year ago? Yeah, I mean, the, they were mean for a while. I mean they these countries traditionally don't get along, so right. this isn't like totally resigned to just oil markets. When you look at how these company, how these countries uh, are playing chess against each other, um, and uh, the Persian Empire invented chess, so that yeah, there actually you adds go. a yeah. little bit more. So, so. There, it's a little bit of historical nature to that uh, suggestion as well. But when you look at what they've been doing, Saudi Arabia much more reliant um, for budgetary reasons on high oil prices, high oil revenues. Um, Iran is is just having a field day because they had all these sanctions against them, and, and now they've this been This is all lifted. free money. It's well, all, yeah, essentially. Know. I mean, it's money that they didn't have, and so they became less reliant on oil revenues over that time period, and, and now um, they can sit on lower prices, um, higher production for a little bit longer um, than Saudi Arabia can. You look at Saudi Arabia cutting ministers' salaries by up to 20%, cutting subsidies across the board to their civilians. They can no longer buy their solid gold Lamborghinis. Exactly. I feel terrible for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of have to at some point because the oil does represent 
a significant part of their um, overall budget. Their social programs. Yeah, it's not yeah. actually for the oil ministers. It's ev- like everybody. Yeah, everybody it's, benefits you know. uh, when, when they sell oil at high prices. So if you look at seven-tenths of a percent uh, of oil cutbacks, um, not a huge deal, especially when you look at the landscape in the United States with so many wells that have been drilled but not completed. Um, and you look at a company like uh, research company like Rystad Energy suggests that 90% of wells that are drilled but not completed can be economically completed at $50 a barrel, right. which we're almost at. Um, so I think supply is it's going to be able to make up for lost ground in terms of what OPEC is, is supposedly going to pull back on. On the other hand, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's minuscule compared to global daily production and yeah, consumption. I think I it's mean, just it's, like the significance of them actually coming to an accord right. rather than walking away from the table. Um, but in addition to that, and I'm uh, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, um, when the fateful day occurred two years ago, yes. OPEC said, yeah, we're not doing anything. We're actually going to go for market share. We're mm-hmm. not going to cut and just try to guarantee a price. Sure. Um, what was the global oversupply number per day? More than it is today. Well, yeah, no, and that's just my point. From what I, you know, have seen, it was one and a half million barrels yeah. a day oversupply. So I'm just like the the five hundred thousand or seven hundred fifty thousand barrels per day that OPEC's talking about cutting. Mm-hmm. Granted, at this point, yeah. Um, in addition to the gargantuan capital budget cuts yep. that have occurred in the industry. I'm like, is the oversupply done? Long term, uh, you start to worry about that. But in the near term, like I said, you've got almost 4,000, maybe over 4,000 wells in the United States that can out. be fracked yeah. um, at $50 a yeah. barrel. Um, so that could drive up U.S. production, which has been pulling back since November of 2014. Um from record highs, right. so you're seeing the ability of companies like EOG and Continental Resources, who have already started to complete some of these wells in in the forty dollar range, and then a company like Whiting Petroleum that was shopping itself for pretty what looked to be pretty cheap just uh, but there were no takers. months ago. There were no yeah. takers, and here they are saying that once fifty dollar a barrel uh, comes around, we're going to start completing some of these wells, and by that I mean. The wells have been drilled, but they haven't been cemented in case they haven't been fracked, so they're not producing. But that's traditionally the more expensive part of the whole process. So companies have just been drilling these sites and letting them idle until they reach a certain uh, dollar value per barrel. And it seems to be fifty dollars is that magic number for the broad majority of these wells. It's it's gotten to be such a big deal that the EIA has actually started to come out with the report, a monthly report on how many wells uh, are drilled but uncompleted, and it is. You have seen it come down a little bit since January because the price of oil has risen right. since January. But it's still so. If you look at uh, January of 2014, there were around two and a half thousand wells that were drilled but not completed. You're looking at a little over four thousand right now. Wow. So, and all of these guys, it's it's a lot of fun to go to an investor presentation for an EOG and look at what they're broadcasting two years ago versus today yeah. in terms of just numbers and oil. Pro- it's hilarious how it's come down massively. It was a, Dramatic change of pace. Um, so, speaking of the EIA, yes, um, they just came out with uh, United States gasoline consumption, which they do on a monthly basis. Um, interested to get your thoughts on this. Um, I'm thinking I've, August made news a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, the United States consumed 9.7 million barrels of gasoline per day in August, and that is 
A new record. A record. It's a little bit more than the peak right before the Great Recession. Yeah, in 2007, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, it's interesting to me because, correct me if I'm wrong, cars are way more efficient right now in miles per gallon. Not way they're more, get, but yeah, they're more. You know what I mean. They're getting, they're getting to be way more, but they're not quite there yet. There's still a few more years before all the CAFE standards fully kick in. Um, but there are year-over-year requirements, and, but what you're seeing is... Folks, um, as short-sighted as Americans are, they're going out and buying record numbers of SUVs and trucks again because gasoline is is cheaper than it's been since 2009. Uh, cheapest Labor Day gas prices in, in the last 12 years. Oh boy! So, yeah, you look so at a price SUV and truck sales yeah. have been outpacing car sales for for quite a while now. Um, you're looking at if not record, near record sales for SUVs and trucks, uh, still, it just continues to rise. Um, Those standards, because the increasing fuel efficiency standards apply to the car based on its, what they call a footprint. Mm -hmm. So, you're looking at larger cars not having to to meet as strict demands um, as quickly. So, these cars haven't really experienced the dramatic um, fuel efficiency gains, as you've seen in in smaller sedans like the Toyota Camry or Corolla, or some of those hybrid vehicles that have come out that get 50, 60 miles to the gallon. Right. So um, we've thrown a lot of uh, just data points and things mm-hmm. at our audience so far. You, know, you got OPEC, who's notoriously untrustworthy. Yes. Um, you know, you got the the supply and demand statistics that are you know. Iffy on global basis, but you know it is what it is. Some people suggest 2017 could be equilibrium yeah. for supply and demand. Um, and then you know EIA, US, lots of gasoline. Um, everybody's favorite investment bank, Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Uh, always broadcasting their views. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out with an oil call. Yeah, this was what, be- how before the they... OPEC meeting. Yeah. yeah. And okay, so granted, it was before the OPEC meeting. They did address changed. it though, so they addressed hey. These are our thoughts. If OPEC does X and awesome. X Y Z, okay. so how are they di- how are they analyzing all this? Well, I mean, they're looking at U.S. production. They're looking at uh, the frac log, what, what they call those which is what you were talking uncompleted about wells. Yeah. They're looking at um, Libya and Nigeria bringing back production. They're looking at major projects around the world that are coming online um, in Kazakhstan, Australia, things like that. And then they're also looking at you know Russia, Saudi Arabia producing at record levels, and, and then. Uh, they basically adjusted their prices downward uh, for the end of 2016. They left their 2017 expectations at $52 a barrel, uh, but then they lowered. Which from, we're almost at. I mean, we're yeah, we're only a few dollars shy know. of that right now. Um, and they lowered their are 2016. They being, are they being too conservative? Like, if supply and demand balance next year. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's all that conservative. Just when you look at the overhang of wells that. Not only are drilled but uncompleted, but wells that could be drilled and completed next mm-hmm. year in the United States at, at fifty to sixty dollars a barrel. When you say that, are you talking about the Permian rush? Permian, Eagle we've... Ford, all, all these basins can still be produced at well, not all of them, but a significant portion mm-hmm. of these heavy producing basins, the Eagle Ford, the Bakken, and the and the Permian, um, which is the darling of the day right now, um, can be produced in that fifty to sixty dollar range. So there's definitely some downward pressure as you see upward movement in prices. And I don't think that overhang is gone. We're, we still have that accessible oil that can weigh on prices, whether it's being produced or not, because there's always a threat of production. Got it. So they've lowered their production or their global oil 
price forecast for the end of this year to from $50 a barrel to $43 a barrel. Ooh. And they did say that any OPEC decision could add some near-term upward uh, momentum, but and we saw that, right? It's yeah. 5 to 6% jump yesterday, but uh, near-term is the key word there or the key hyphenated word yeah. there. Um, because I do think in the next couple of years there's going to be downward pressure. I don't I don't think unless it's just a temporary spike $70 is way out of the picture in my mind. It is. For okay. the next year or two. So, um, again, playing devil's advocate, um, Goldman it, leading you know towards the end of 2014, they were in $90 forever, that camp too. Yeah. So, you know. But the, the unpredictability of plays, OPEC, right? Yeah. Um, if something does happen, then that, that spike that we're talking about, that unpredicted spike could yeah. happen. But if... Uh, if OPEC only lowers production by 500 to 700,000 barrels, you don't see any civil unrest in countries like Iran, Nigeria, Which Libya. is always a nice little possibility. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and um, I think now that would have an impact on prices. Because things are a little bit tighter. When, when you looked back yeah. in 2014, 2013, there was a lot of unrest. 2012, you had all of um, the Arab Spring That's why it was drop us all the more yeah. surprising. And so yeah. you didn't see any upward movement when when companies or countries like that were shutting in production due to some some volatility uh, amongst uh, the countries there. And that should have been a warning sign right. for a lot of people yeah. that, that when countries that are heavy oil producers that impact the global supply are shutting in supply and the prices aren't dropping yeah. or, or spiking, excuse me. Yeah, I remember when Libya first it started really blowing blowing up on not you know the yeah, yeah. human beings there so I don't want to begrudge what happened there but um oil would go up five it, it, oil was going up mm-hmm. big you know this is like what 2011 yeah when did stuff start happening there anyway yeah so um so before we close out here um we covered a lot of awesome info got your insights on uh whether OPEC can be trusted or not, the answer is no. Well, it, <laughs> I mean, until they actually detail specifics, uh, um, they're hurting. I, though they will know. cut, but you have to understand that now the discussion comes down to which countries cut, right. how much does each country cut, for how long are they pricing, uh, placing this cap on production, um, and also we're at record production for a lot yeah. of these com- countries. Absolute so, peak. Um, Russia's at what post-Soviet, you know, yeah, high. post-Soviet highs, and they weren't really included in that in no. that cut. So no. they're just going to be sit, uh, sitting in high clover. If uh, darn you, Putin, <laughs> darn you, <laughs> you played them for fools. Anything, so <laughs> the bad kind. <laughs> that that's what we're looking at right now is specifics. Um, in what two months now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we close out, yeah. anxious to get your thoughts on a uh, stock to watch, mm-hmm. maybe a good stock for everybody here to listen, uh, look into. Yeah. Um, given all the information that we covered. Oh uh, yeah. So um, I think one aspect of oil and gas that could benefit from obviously an increase in U.S. or, or North American production based on these supply cuts and high and rising oil prices would be a midstream company. And um, I'm a Spectra Energy shareholder, so I'm been uber interested in the past few days because I finally the news cycle has kind of died down on the Enbridge mm-hmm. um, and it's a stock for stock deals yeah so, so um, I'm just I really want to dive in I, my blink reaction is yes I'll be happy to own Enbridge um, it's becoming much more a balance between oil and natural gas with this acquisition and the footprint is just massive mm-hmm. and so uh, I just want to really dive in and I, I think that you know, shareholders of either company right now are going to be well rewarded for the long term, um, and I think people could probably buy into Enbridge right now. But 
I just haven't given it the time necessary, but I, I love the fact that they've predicted a 10 to 12% dividend hike each year for the yeah. next eight years. I've never seen an eight year pro- projection That's like for dividend surprisingly. growth. Surprisingly. <laughs> it is. It's probably the longest. It is the longest I've ever seen. So I'm not necessarily trusting it completely because eight years is a long time in the oil and Plans gas sector. Plans of us all. Yes. But just the fact that management is confident enough to come out and say that in the face of a lot of upstream companies cutting dividends, Kinder Morgan cutting a dividend. Um, I, I, I just I appreciate the safety that you see on both of these balance sheets, and uh, I think it's going to be a happy marriage. So, bottom line, we don't know what will happen with prices, per se, but sure. it looks like the supply flow, which is good for the people that move oil and natural mm-hmm. gas, is going to be good now. Yeah, especially so. in North America. You've seen, you've seen production cutbacks because of low oil prices, and then you see all these companies now talking about efficiency gains and being able to produce more at $50, $60 Such a means, barrel. Yeah. So, if prices do continue to rise slowly, um, you, you're going to see North American production come back. Awesome. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Mr. Markerman. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. And that is it for us, folks. We'd like to give a special shout out to the one and only Austin Morgan, who is back there working his studio magic. Uh, and if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Merkman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and fool on.